podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap, Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior, Gareth Roberts and Adam Melia. Uh, international breaks, often they come at the wrong time, they come when you don't want them. This one probably has come quite nicely for Liverpool. But it also bookends sort of two anniversaries that there are. Uh, the two anniversaries are as follows. Uh, it's just gone, one of them, Sunday the 8th, two years of Klopp at Liverpool. Uh, and on Sunday the 15th, um, FSG's 7th anniversary of owning Liverpool comes up. So we're going to talk about each of them uh, and we're going to sandwich uh, with those conversations uh, something that Gareth talking to Tony Zeverona who's the chairman of Prescott Cables and he did that on uh, on Saturday just gone for non-league day so that's coming in the middle we're going to start with Klopp then we're going to talk to Tony and then we're going to be talking about FSG that's the order of events and the first up therefore is Klopp and Gareth the first thing that sort of hit me I was I, I ended up doing maths uh, today which is a bit mad um, in that I was doing maths to try to work out is it defo two years and it is defo two years it feels longer yeah it does I think um, I think it's because it's been so you know, when Klopp arrived, he talked about one of the first things he said was about it being emotional football and that he was looking forward to seeing how, how much this city loves its football. And I think the way it's it's been, it has been emotional, literally has been emotional. And that's why yeah. I think it maybe feels like longer because, you know, he arrives obviously with everyone down in the dumps about Brendan Rodgers and about the end of that reign. And there were people falling out over that and there were people with different opinions over that. He brought everyone together again, Klopp. Um some people uh, didn't like the sort of the fact that he was revered from day one um, and, and, and still to now sort of bring that up. Um, I was revering him from day one. Um, I went to his first press conference and uh, I, I just found him really impressive from, from that day one. Um, I thought the stuff he come out with was spot on. I could see how he was a, a fit for us and... I was confident that we were going to go places and look, it hasn't quite worked out. I mean, you know, two cup finals, losing two cup finals isn't well, what, great. But on that, that's my next thing on my list. So what were, and I'll ask everyone this, what were your ex- expectations when he came in? You know, what, what, where, where would you want us to be right now? Mm. Do you actually think we're behind a curve anywhere in terms of where you'd have expected? He talked about, I mean, he, he wasn't shy about it, was he? He talked about winning trophies from, from, you know, from day one. And I think that's the right thing to do for Liverpool. I'll always say that because, you know, that's what Liverpool should be aiming for. And that hasn't happened. But then we go so close. And I was just sort of going back through, you know, his time here before, just looking at the results and remembering some of the games. And, you know, very early on, really, the, the, there was stuff to cling to as being aye, aye. You know, we won 3-1 at Chelsea. Coutinho got a couple, I think, there. And then the 4-1 at Man City as well. And I remember early on thinking, you know, this is something special, this. You know, to go to City in particular and blow them away that, that night like we did. I just thought, hang on, we're on something here. And then, you know, and there has been quite a few, you know, a few high moments. I think Manchester United in, in the Europa League, Dortmund, blasting Everton everywhere at home. You know, that, that should never be sniffed at. But then too often there's been something around the same time that that brings you back down again. And I think that's why why I would say it's been emotional because we've lost games under Klopp a lot, it feels like, that we shouldn't do, that, you know, we should win. And I think the expectation, you know, it's back to that question, the expectation, the expectation for me is that Liverpool are in a top three, top four and challenging for the title. To say win it, I think I get why people say it and I get why they want it. But I just think it's so hard, and we'll probably come into all that later on. But I think it's so hard to just, set, you know, put the bar as the title, and anything else is a failure. It's so hard to win this league. Um, Paul, what were your expectations when he came in? I think the sort of where I expect him to be now. Um, I think anyone who thought we were going to get this quick fix manager maybe didn't know 
quite as much about Jurgen Klopp as maybe they thought. It never never happened straight away for him at at, uh, at Dortmund. And I think that there's there's always a word that I've taken from Klopp and its development. He's not, you know, that I remember us doing the the Radio City. Up, oh, sorry, I should be, should say being up Radio City Tower for the Rogers reaction sacking shows, and we did hours up there. And people were talking about Ancelotti or, or Klopp at the time, and it was it was almost seen that well maybe you buy into the long term project yeah. rather than the quick fix. And then I think people forget that they sort of wanted to sign up for the the long term fix, the sort of strategic management and the project manager um, that Jurgen Klopp is, rather than you know Ancelotti where he might want to go and spend 150 million pounds and you might you might win something straight away, but as it shows at Bayern Munich now that it sort of just peters out after after a short while so I think he's sort of about par where I expected him to be I think he'll be disappointed that he hasn't put anything in the cabinet because he's had two opportunities too that being said he played Manchester City and took them to extra time and the, the severe game is obviously a disappointment <coughs> to the contrast between the first the first half and the second half in that game but then last season I think some of the football we've seen is as good as what we've seen in 13-14 and everyone sort of reveres that. I think there's there's definitely still green shoots despite of what's been a disappointing start of this season. Um, but what, what I always want from, from a manager and sometimes when pressure goes on, and I think yeah, can Klopp's maybe under a tiny bit of pressure at the moment, is that you can still see little bits of positive and that you can start, you can see that the project's still developing and that there's Maybe other things. So you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Woodburn, Joe Gomez, them lads coming through. And I still think there's enough here in this manager now where you can go. You're still in an all right place, you know. Even if you look, even if you look at the league table, I know I know the last couple of results have been a bit disappointing, Newcastle especially. But you go, we're not that far away, you know. This, this literally, you win this weekend and a couple of other results are in your favour. And you're right in the mix. You're that's right where the, the frustrations coming from right now, Missed isn't it? Opportunity. Yeah, that that you know they're capable of better. So you know you've got people pitching like you know a couple of away draws as being not that bad because it's away from home and it's a draw. But the reason for the frustration is you know they're better than that. You know they're mm. capable of, of winning both of those games. And the fact that the Avans is a mild concern. That that's true, but this this can happen to any decent side. And I mean, our, if this is our our crisis. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not that bad. Just be still. What I, I can't exactly remember where we are in league standings, but you, you, you're within the game's reach of Tottenham. You're within the game's reach of Chelsea. All right, I'm, I'm pissed off that Arsenal are ahead of us, but you, you're in a game's reach of them. So things can change really quickly, and we can be sitting here in two or three weeks' time going Liverpool title contenders. It's, it's that close. Though. We win the next five games. I mean, we win the next five games at any at any point, and everything looks more positive. And I think that is just to pick up on something that you said is, um, you know, about a long term project. I think what people don't think about in the long term project is that going to it's going to involve weeks after you you've you've lost games where you know and and it's people's people's psychology is up or down depending on but whether you've won the last game these days more than I, I think in the past. And it's about psychology, I think, with Klopp. So he's he's he is like a psychology manager, and I think that was the, that that was the. I don't know whether it, it was my expectations before he came in, but quite quickly you could see him fixing small bits of the psychology around the club. Um, and I thought that that he was he was setting us on on a path towards 
definitely towards success, but just a, a, in, in general, a, a building and constant progression, basically. So, that, and, and I think that was, I remember we talked in the summer basically about where, just where we think we are and all that sort of thing. And I, and I was saying that, it, that it's all about, it's all about constantly feeling like there's been progress made. And, 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 and I think halfway through the summer, we were, we were still saying, well, that could be the case. And then as, as the summer finished, the psychology didn't feel that great for the first time since Klopp's come in. And I think that if you're not, as we've seen in the past, if you're not shooting for the stars, then you quite often just fall on your face. And I think with, with the clubs realised that it's only had a par sort of summer and par, if, you, if, you're, trying, if you're trying to, to just go down one gear, you quite often go down more than one gear. And I think that's what's happening. I, th- I think the problem, the problem comes from not what you do in any summer, it's about what everyone else does. And I think this summer, everyone else did reasonably well. Well, that's it. You can't stand still, can no, you? No, absolutely not. And I felt... You know, one thing we've sort of had, and I know we're talking about Jurgen Klopp only being two years in the job, but it's it's con- it's continuity, and it's it's that we weren't going to change too much. But as a, I think that there's not re- really been enough spoken about about Liverpool having to contend with the thing we all knew we we're going to have to contend with, and having to play Champions League as well, mm. because where Liverpool, I, Liverpool went aside, don't make tons of changes. You always knew what Liverpool sort of go to 11 for every big game was but you're playing man united but you're also now thinking about maribor the next games mm. so where where last year you go big game that's the team no changes this year it's it's not that banker anymore so there's i i think there's to sort of there's going to get to a point where you've got to prioritize where where we are this year in the here and now where you go is the league the priority or is the champions league so i think liverpool should always prioritise the league every, every game, no matter what you've got coming up in the Champions League. I don't see Maribor being a oh let's not pl- let's say for me you know for Maribor rather than playing against Man United. I think that's criminal. You know Liverpool any eleven should beat Maribor, and that that might sound aggr- like aggressive and arrogant, but Man Man United in the league has to be a priority, and we shouldn't be juggling. That and that that might be. Why this this year doesn't feel quite as positive as what we felt this time last year? It seems as though I would, you know, I've, I've just noted it down quite quick and feel free to disagree, Gareth, as we go. You know, it's a bit strange. He, he talked a lot about the defense when he first arrived. You actually go back to that press conference defense. He's talking more about that than he is anything else. And defense did improve. Shape was solid. Um, we were, we were a little bit better. He clearly wants to work with the squad. That's the other thing, and I think that's an important thing to say. He grabs the opportunities. You mentioned the Chelsea game as the City game. And then last season, we have this two-stage journey to fourth where there's a lot of flamboyance, a lot of goals, and then there's a lot of solidity and grind. That didn't feel great at the time, but you look back on now and it, you know, you're able to look at a lot of a lot of Liverpool just getting results, just getting it done. And now, to me, he seems like he's or we seem in general a little bit like we're falling between stools. Maybe for the first time since he's come in. We're not we're not quite, you know, it's not straightforward to say this is now what we're doing. We look a little bit less intense. It looks like that's a decision uh, that we've made. It, for the first time, it looks, it doesn't look quite as Jurgen Kloppy is the thing I'd say for the first time uh, over the over the last month. But a month is a long time in football. Yeah, I mean, you know, you referenced that first press conference and it was all, you know, all, this, all the words he used were, you know, emotion, spirit, fight. And I, you know, I remember going to Spurs away, which was his first game in charge, 12th game of that season. And uh, and you could see that 
from that first game. You know, everyone always references Lalana coming off the pitch, absolutely goosed. That, that um, game was one of the biggest <coughs> one-game changes in the football team I've ever seen. Sorry to interrupt, Gareth. No, right. the, 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 the pressing in that game, I, I don't think we've seen that since. I don't know if, whether he maybe learned too much in that game. And you talk about Lalana coming off the pitch, goosed, that you can't maybe do it as much in this league as you can in Germany. I've, can, can can you sort of get what I'm talking about, Gareth? It was so visible that pressing was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was like it was like you know it's like you turn the dial up from five to eleven, like and and then we still drew. Um, yeah. But and and I think you I think you're probably right in that. You know, you've seen that at varying degrees of that at different times, and and right now it's not that it's not that, and all you know the the statistics show that in terms of you know how much they're running. Uh, how much they're pressing and, and it's not as much you know all of a sudden they're not covering the same ground and you know you might put some of that down to personnel and you know Lallana's missing for for instance he probably boosts them stats but yeah it, it kind of feels to me a little bit that right now that there was sort of a plan to manage this season back to what you were saying Paul really and you know the, the rotations up uh, the number you know the, the chopping and changing is up some of that spe- his hands being forced but I kind of get the feeling that it's also him attempting to keep freshness in mm. the squad because of the extra games in the Champions League. But you know, the little the little worry at the back of my mind is that you almost get so obsessed with that that you know you lose your way. Um, I sort of get it. I get the rotation thing, and I, I understand the sports science arg- arguments, all of that. But also as well, I think it's important to get points on the board. It's in t- it's important to get wins, and it's important to get. And I know someone will tweet me now and say this doesn't exist, but it's important to get momentum. Um, <laughs> this is this is the thing about changing down a gear. It's sort of the same thing that I was I was getting at. I think I think if you if if you do, it, you know, it, it, you, it's it's a difficult thing to do just to change down one gear and still win. And I think I think you're right. I think we are trying to manage the season, but you do end up with uh, quite quickly nothing to play for. I mean, the other thing is as well that like, you know Klopp talks talks about a lot then and now. You know the emotional side of football, how it feels, how it feels at Anfield, how it feels inside the ground, the mood of the supporters, and all that. And I think that while you know why we can say about the summer that it was okayish in the end and all that sort of thing, I just still think there was a real deflation in the Van Dyke thing, for instance, and and even like you know the Kaita thing. You know, it's sound that he's coming, isn't it? But it's not as exciting that he's not. I think he's the not Lamar thing helped us as well. You know, yeah. I think that that would have just been such a a lovely bonus for the summer, but no one really cared if that got done if Van Dyke wasn't getting done. Look, the, we can't be we can't be kidded, Gareth. I don't think we we all knew we sound an attack, you know. Mm. But maybe, but that's what we thought. Maybe in August and maybe you know where we're sat here now, we could have gone reminded Thomas Lamar in that midfield I somewhere. Think, isn't the Kaiser thing a bit of a kid though as well? Like we Absolutely. have we've basically been kitted, haven't we? And and I remember saying this when the transfer window ended, sort of talking to Rob about it. And he was saying, "Well, we you, 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 we include him." Now we're in the season. You, obviously, you don't. We don't, we don't do it. We don't. He's not here. And what you should do, be doing, by the way, is going back in January and just saying, "What what does it take now? Any hopes? What, what does it take now to get him in?" I now? mean, I can't wait for the for for, the, for another January conversation. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> January's fabulous. Join us then to discuss FSG yet again. <laughs> January is fabulous. I love I love the, uh, co- the the conversations about value and availability in January oh, with yeah. Phil. <laughs> Hiya, Phil. <laughs> um, just to. Uh, on the transfer market stuff, uh, I will go back to you on this, Adam, is that he's, is that 
a lot of the shite that when he first came in two years ago, he worked really hard to get rid of and was, was emphatic in trying to get rid of as a sort of found a way to put itself back on the table. Very much about coaching players, very much about final responsibility, very much why he's all obsessed with transfers. But he is sort of in a different way. Uh, if I say obsessed with transfers, that's probably the wrong way to phrase it. But he, you know, he seems there does seem to be Stephen Colker aside, mm. uh, which is mad, uh, and, and 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 probably isn't remarked upon enough how mad it is. But there does seem to be Stephen Colker aside a genuine just refusal from him to compromise within the transfer market. I mean, maybe maybe there are compromises and we just haven't seen them because yeah. we're not inside the clubs in our life. But to me, this does look like a manager who seems very much, you know, the the thing he said about the central defenders, for instance, in August and all of that sort of stuff, he does seem to be pretty pretty adamant on the issue that he's it's his lads or he's or he's yeah. he's, he's happy just to work with the work with the players I, I and that's something actually that that i was thinking when you were talking about expectations and and, and what's happened is that i i sort of had a moment of realization halfway through last season of of, of, of you know maybe we've been putting too much for years on on the manager and not thinking enough about how you you, you need really good players for these things to work and i think i think he does i think i think he's a manager that that, that you know he can't he's not going to um, Benitez-style take a, a, a Jimmy Traore-led team to a European Cup. Um, he, he's he, he's somebody that, that that will trust his team, but he needs that that, that team to be to be full of people who who can, who can do it. And he's he's not been prepared to, um, to 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 compromise at all, as you say, since Stephen Corker um, with with any with that to. to which and and that's that's the big that's the big discussion point, isn't it? You know, should we should we be going for Plan Bs or or should we be sticking with what we've got? You know, it's a, it's it's a, it's a difficult one because the answer is neither. You want your Plan As, don't you? No, nobody asks. Um, you know who who Mourinho's Plan Bs were this summer. Well, but I'm just on that. Mourinho doesn't get, for instance, the lad he wants from Inter Milan. Yeah, you don't know what what's gone on there. Last season, supposedly, when Conte goes and takes a side to the title, Chelsea only got one of the targets they wanted at the start of the summer. I I think we we because we know everything that's going on with us, Adam. I'll go back to you. We mm. you know we're very much like well, everyone else looks as though they're flying. Whereas there are times where they're all looking at each other, going, "Well, why can't we get X, Y, or Z done as well?" I don't know what you mean to be honest. What uh, I mean. My, 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 my point is that last season Chelsea ended up with a lot of Plan Bs and won the title. Yeah, and yeah. they would say that, the, and that, and that that's, that's Chelsea. What, Chelsea would, came from a much stronger standing start point than than, than we do, though. Uh, Chelsea have got a number of players in, completely in that, agree. In they that, make it in work. That team and in, in that squad who've already always already been there. We haven't got anybody who's won anything. I don't think really. They have, they have to make it work, though, Adam. I mean, there's no way on God's earth Victor Moses was in that plan until until the pool actually under Jurgen Klopp goes to Chelsea. And beat them three one, and Victor Moses isn't getting a sniff. Then he goes three at the back after that game, and then it kicks in. So they have to make it work. And you're right in saying that they didn't get Plan A or Plan B. I think you're talking about compromise. I think that that same January that we got Stephen Corker, he didn't compromise on value in terms of Alex Teixeira either. And I I think there was something going on then around them because. I mean, there was there was interviews on the internet with Alex Sexier literally talking about going to Liverpool, and it never happened because he wouldn't compromise on value. I think this summer, Virgil Van Dijk was probably at forty five, fifty million pounds centre half when they were trying to do bits in March, and okay, I think they got some value in Mo Salah maybe, but I don't think there was ever a plan 
that Virgil van Dijk was going to end up costing them 70, 75, maybe even 80 million. So you think he's compromising there by saying, listen, I'll just splash it. I'm prepared to splash it now. I, I'm not sure. I still think I still think he wants it to be right. So we've we you know, listen. We've spoken about Virgil Van Dijk enough on, on these shows, but there's a there's a thing there where he's probably gone. We can't be we can't be held to ransom. Yes, there's there's a fine in that price. There definitely is from Southampton. Southampton have gone for you acting the way you did. There's ten million on on that price tag, and maybe I think he genuinely believes what he said. In terms of Lovren and Matip, well, there was stuff coming out in the week where he went, where someone said, I think uh, Dom King was talking about, he wouldn't compromise on Koulibaly because he just didn't see them as being better than Lovren and Matip. We've got, we've all got that opinion, but I watched Harry Maguire up close to the week, and I've, I've on these shows been banging the drum about Harry Maguire. He couldn't play for Liverpool. There's no way he could play the way we can, and that's why Jurgen Klopp does what he does for a living. I'm sure people will disagree with the sentence I've just made, but. He's not going to hang any of his centre halves, though. He knows how exposed they are. Uh, you know, mm. he, that's he knows as well as anybody why you know why why the, the 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 sorts of the sorts of chances that get made against us and you know very often get converted happen and they would happen with Virgil there or you know any anybody else because it is just two centre halves and a crap goalie. If if there's a and and that's what I was going to get onto there. If there's a worry for me about Klopp, it's that he he perhaps shows too much faith in some players at times. And I think I think there's evidence of that. I think I think look, he thinks Lovren's all right. He thinks Mignolet's all right. He thinks Moreno's all right. He doesn't really seem to have made a big effort to upgrade on like Henderson even. And then you know someone like Sturridge, all these players. He's put faith in them to be all right for us this season, to do a job for us this season. And perhaps a more ruthless manager who, who just goes, no, they're not good enough. I want a keeper who's, who's a number one and I'm paying for him. I don't care what it, what it takes. Same on centre-halves. Say, you know what, same all the way through. And I get that it's a bit of a juggling act in terms of we haven't got you know unlimited dough. But equally, we've ended up with Doe just sitting in the bank. And Doe just sitting in the bank doesn't score goals for Liverpool, doesn't win games for Liverpool. And so... You know that's a little concern for me, and that it's 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 the same as the Plan B thing, perhaps. And lucky, maybe he'll just say, "Look, if we get Van Dyke and we've got Kate coming in the future, then sound." But we're in the here and now in this season, and and the problem, he's got to manage moods. He's got to manage whether he likes it or not, and he doesn't clearly. But he's got to manage, you know, what the wider world thinks of him, because all that becomes an influence. All that is part of the psychology of winning football matches, and if, if it grows and grows, that. You know, he's got problems. He's not all. He's not all. He's out to be made to be, and all this sort of thing. That will start to seep into minds everywhere, players, fans, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got these doubts again. Because you know, he talked massively, didn't he? And everyone's still quoting it now: doubters to believers. I think. I think it got said before, and it's right to be said that. Look, I'm still right behind him. I still think he's a, a great manager. I know I wouldn't want want to change for a minute, but at the same time, you can you don't have to go outside and have conversations with people to hear that some people have now got doubts again about him, and 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 some of those doubts I feel like are, are his own doing. I, I disagree a little bit with the beginning of what you said, Gareth. I think he's he has identified these problems. So Virgil van Dijk, Naby Keita, Loris Karius, or all him going. I know there's a problem at goalkeeper. <laughs> At centre half, but if you buy Maybe a keeper for four million quid, what do you expect to get? Do you know what I mean? The, the, it's all it's all well and good saying that, but he that's that's his choice, and yes, you can hang him. So by that, that's what I'm saying. I, I do agree, but I mean, he it's not that he's ignoring the problem either. So I think some people go, well, why won't he address the defensive issues? Why won't he address the goalkeeping issues? 
Well, he is. He's tried that, but he thought that Loris Carius would address this. There's something in. I still think there's something in Loris Carius he sees. I don't. I don't know what it is, but um, I think he 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 does see something in him. Um, and then obviously trying to, you know, he doesn't see double our transfer records on on Virgil Van Dijk. Yeah. You know, seventy five million. He thinks that's the remedy to this. So I don't know if he thinks. Him, Joel Matip, and whoever the fullback. We didn't get Virgil problem, Van Dijk, so. though. That's the you know. Well, that is the that is the problem, Adam. And I mean, I think the way it went, I think people forget that we sort of did have Virgil Van Dijk, but we just didn't have him. We also had a lot of time to look for someone else. Yes, and that that's the bit where you can hang, again hang him from. But he seems because it's to not just about because it's not just about quality; it's about numbers, isn't it? As well, it's about look. I get the argument: how many how many centre halves are there better than him and him? But it's not just about them being better, it's about being having cover in that position. And Clavin, for instance, is a bag of shit. Yes. He's not good enough. So, you know, and anyone can see that, and anyone who's watching football and can hardly ever fit. So Which, that's what I mean. So that's they, the big thing for they, me. These are big problems with our with our squad, with our side, that haven't been addressed by our manager. And so if 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 people want to throw that at them, I get it, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? And I think I think those things are a little bit of a worry because it's like, look, you've got to manage everything here. I mean, maybe the thing is that with this six-year contract and everything else, that he's he's thinking about the future, and that's fine, and I get that, and Kaita seems to signal that as well. But also, he's got to manage the here and now, and, and I wonder if I wonder if he's almost realising how bad it can get in this country for a manager. Because we all we all know we've yeah, experienced we could have told him, it, couldn't we? Yeah. yeah. But it, it's like you get a spiral yeah. of bullshit, and it's hard to get out of the spiral of bullshit. And we've seen that eat up other managers in the past, and, and unfortunately, a lot of our fans will get it's, drawn into it. So and if, so it's, if he if he really does want Virgil, though, sorry, Neil, before you come back in, if he really does want Virgil, and he realises that if he got someone else in then next summer the answer is well you can't have him now you don't need him anymore what about that but he can ship Lovren or something like that but on on this Adam the one of the things that strikes me is he himself the back end of last season he comes out um, we beat Middlesbrough and he's very much yeah this is just this is just what the expectation should be he himself makes that very very clear he says listen we should be we should be getting Champions League football every year and he's he's clearly got that at the forefront of his thoughts, and I think he's had that all the way through. Yeah. But simultaneously, there's there's no tougher time to do that. You know, we were talking before about Chelsea, about about uh, Tottenham, about Arsenal, the two Manchester clubs. There's actually no tougher time uh, to do that. And and simultaneously, he isn't doing us a favour being Liverpool manager. There are expectations, and there are you know, and and, and that's that's something that's long frustrated me. The idea that he is doing as a favour, he isn't, and, it, and and he knows that as well. I don't think for a second he doesn't. But as Gareth's saying, if if you do sort of set your own expectations, you do get to build your own bar, and then you're not clearing it. Then you know it is this. This could be one of the reasons why he probably now currently feels under the most pressure he's felt under. Well, it's a pressure game. I, I I mean, I think that thing that he said after Middlesbrough was it was another example of his. Uh, I don't know if it's psychology or t- just t- tinkering around different areas of the club. You know, he does the, he does the things that, that he does towards us as a fan base, and you know, he he, he talks up certain players and does the, you know, and, and he's always got something in mind. I think that one was a message to his to, to his to his um his scene his seniors above him in the club. I think he was saying, I've I've done my bit and I've tapped up all these lads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and now it's you know he, he he doesn't say it explicitly at all and he hasn't come close to saying anything explicitly uh, along those lines but i think what he's saying is right well you know this 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 is what the next step looks like and we we do belong here and 
you know, for, jo- join the dots. The next part, the next part is, is isn't about him. He's done his bit. That's what he meant. I've done my bit. You know, with it, it, it's it's all done. Um, and I, 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 I'm a bit worried about him now because I think he's gone a bit quiet. I don't know. I'm not sure whether it's just um, me not paying as much attention to interviews when we're not winning games, <laughs> not watching match of the day, that sort of thing. But he seems to be. All, all that sort of the, the, the you know the grand the grand planning and the tinkering around and doing different things and moving everything forward. Just think it's gone a bit quiet. So yeah, I'm 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 a bit concerned about that. I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I, I I I just think it's not gone perfectly so so far this year. And I think I think there's a little bit of circumstances around it. I do I do think haven't. One of the most integral players towards the way we play, missing is maybe something we've we've overlooked. Obviously, Lalana, and I also think that he's he's maybe made a mistake in in not finding a home for James Milner. And I know we've, we've spoke about this in a number of shows, but introducing Albi Moreno back in, and then on the other side not having Klein, and then a little bit of a change in midfield and bringing Coutinho in, and it just. I just felt like we'd found around the Leicester and Watford time last year, we'd found a perfect balance and it just worked. And that got disrupted a little bit. And then you've obviously we've never been able to build a steady base because one of the two centre halves always seems to have something wrong with them. Mm. And again this year, this is what sort of what my point was around the Champions League disrupting things is I don't think we're although I think we've got strength and depth across the sides, I don't think we sort of as perfectly balanced as we were last season um, and having to disrupt it all the time is sort of killing momentum so Chelsea were the, the, the sort of the, the model of consistency in terms of not changing everyone could, everyone in the whole country could have named Chelsea's side last season and you could sort of have done it with Liverpool this season I, I couldn't tell you who's playing Saturday I, mean, I really couldn't because I, I just feel we, we keep it feels a little bit rougher to me where you go he always used to talk about thinking one game at a time but he never was do you you know what I mean it's like I think we need to go a little bit back to basics and just start getting points on the board and if it it means surrendering Champions League last 16 or whatever our, our realistic hopes are for that then so be it but at least go and finish high enough in the league to be in it again next season but build upon it rather than maybe getting to June next year with no Champions League and you want Virgil van Dijk because you didn't get him again in January but he goes well no I'm going to go to a Champions League team this year OK um, work through all of that there we'll uh, we'll be talking about FSG in a minute or two uh, well 15 minutes to be exact we are uh, before then though Gareth uh, went to Prescott Cables uh, for non-league day um, and because he goes to Prescott Cables reasonably often uh, and watched uh, and well watched the game we'll have a chat about that and spoke to Tony uh, Zeverona uh, who is the chairman of Prescott Cables and this um, is their chat Okay, it's me, Gareth Roberts. Uh, I've come along to Prescott Cables today for non-league day, and um, Prescott have won the game. Uh, they've beat Trafford 3-1 in the FA Trophy qualifier. Um, joined now in the boardroom at Prescott Cables uh, by the chairman of the club. Uh, Tony, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you know, what your role involves and, uh, and about the club as well. Well, my name's Tony Zeverona. Uh, I've been chairman now. This is my 14th season. Um, my role in the club is virtually everything. Um, if I summarise it today, I actually 
got the toilet rolls out the stock room to give to the Trafford uh, Football Club officials. We do everything. Uh, there's no, um, I'm going to say, there's no rolls or whatever. You've got to roll your sleeves up and get stuck in here. Um, the football club is the centre of the community. It's a CIC, community interest company. Uh, every person plays a £5 membership, including myself. Uh, we have our voting rights every year. So I've been up for election for the last 13 years and hopefully, uh, well, I have, I've been re-elected and uh, long may it continue. And a decent enough crowd today, about 300 and odd, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I haven't heard the actual confirmation yet, but the, the attendance has been up. I've been speaking to a few of the young lads today, today before the game. Um, there's a good feel, good fact about the club. Um, maybe two or three years ago, we were struggling. Um, our attendances weren't that good. But if you look on um, correspondent fixtures for the last two or three years, it's probably up about 20-30%, which is a massive impact at this at this level. I mean, it, it is it is a bit of a, a, a cliche almost when you talk about more, a more, the more grassroots level of football and, and further down the pyramid, but it is the case, isn't it, that basically every single penny counts at this level. Every, every person who comes to the turnstile, who buys a programme, a pie, a pint, that counts, doesn't it, at this level? Of course it does, uh, and it, it probably replicates the Premiership as well. You know, you, you look at clubs who finished the bottom two or three places, their budget will be probably the lowest in the league. And we've been there over the last couple of years. We've been down the bottom two or three places fighting against relegation. Uh, we've probably increased our budget by about two or three hundred percent this year, uh, which is a loss. But you look at us where we are in the league, and that, that says it all. It's money at this level is paramount. Mm. And and tell us a little bit about how it works as well, Tony, because I think. You know, there's a lot of people who might dip into non-league football, go the odd game, but you know, you, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who who may, mainly just support Liverpool, go to Liverpool games, people in other countries and stuff like that. I mean, how how difficult is it to to run a non-league football club and and, and compete year after year? I mean, Prescott's been going since 1884, isn't it? Which is amazing. Um, how hard is it to keep on going, to keep on going season after season, and keep a club like this running? It's extremely hard. Um, I think with everything that's going on with the football in general, uh, the FA are making, rightly so, changes in with the, uh, the administration of football clubs. We have to complete the same administration that Everton and Liverpool do. There's no um, allowances for us being volunteers. Um, we have to do it all uh, from completing that FA Cup application, which has to be in early April to completing ground grading uh, visits. We've got to do it all. But the big thing is, we're all volunteers, but the FA do not make any allowances for that. Um, we've got a, a ground grading in the next month, but we've got a pre-visit uh, on Monday. Um, one of the volunteers has got to come and open the ground up at half past three, and we're going to get inspected by the FA. Uh, someone at Liverpool Everton would be paid to do that. Someone's got to finish work early, get off work early, come and open the grounds, follow an FA guy around for an hour or two. It's, it's all down to that. Mm. Uh, people don't see that. From doing everything you do, we all do as volunteers. Um, and sometimes I think the FA have got to wake up and, for want of a better word, smell a coffee uh, and realise what people at this level are doing. It They're doing it for um, the, the sheer enjoyment of the game. They're not doing it for financial benefits. Uh, we actually probably contribute more than what we take out 
Um, for, for me, speaking personally, um, all the meetings I go to up and down the country, um, never claim back a penny in expenses. That's my contribution to the club. I contribute here and there, other places, but that's between me and the board. But no one takes a penny out. Mm. We contribute every, and it's 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 a lot. It's a lot, and I think uh, the FA have got to realise because I think uh, what they're doing is slowly making an impact at football at this level. Um, they don't do something about it. They don't recognise what people are doing at this level. It will sh- uh, surely uh, get to what Sunday League football is now, where it's it's going out. And I think it was the same will happen at this level. What about um, how hard is it to to get people through the gates here? How, how hard is it to engage you know engage the community with coming to watch football at this level? Because to me, you know, I'm an outsider. I don't run a football club, or, or I'm not involved in running a football club. But I'm interested in the game. I'm a fan. I like non-league football. I've written about it lots of times. And, and for me, the more the more that games are on the telly every single day, every night. You know, all hours of the day as well. You know, if you want, you can sit there, you know, for nine, ten hours a day and watch football on the telly. That must be hard for a club like yourselves to be tempting people away from the couches and away from Sky Sports and BT Sports and into your ground. It is hard, but what we, you know, we've got to look at uh, our audience or our spectators. And you think of the, the, the basis of we're here now. Playing football at this level, where's the nearest club? Um, it's probably I don't know Marine City of Liverpool Bootle we've got an area here where there's, we've got no competitors so we've got to engage with the community and we try and do it we market ourselves as a community interest company so really we've got no competitors but once we get the people coming in uh, which is hard we've done the schools and people people come on board and they say go to the schools do this do that believe you me in the last 14 years we've done Everything. We've done everything. Um, I think the biggest thing that's paid off for us over the last 12 months is social media, which has a, has a massive impact at this level now. With Twitter, especially, um, it, it has made the difference. The commercial manager, Steve Garnett, has um, made a massive impact at this level. Um, and it's engaged in the youngsters who probably uh, don't read uh, a newspaper or whatever, mm. but Twitter has made a massive, really has made a massive impact with this club. And on the pitch as well, Tony, um, I mean, you know, I've, I've been up to Prescott a few times, watch games here, and, you know, you spot a player and you think he's decent. You speak to some of the lads who go every week and they're like, yeah, you know, he's on this score and streak and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, and they're, but, but they're like, someone's going to swoop in here. Someone's going to come and get him. Again, how hard is that side of things? How hard is it to, to bring talent to the club, keep talent at the club as well? It's hard because you know that. We, we, you know, it's not just the spectators, but we're standing there, we're going, yeah, you know, and it's been a long time since we've had a, a player on contract. The last player we sold was Mark Duffy, who is now playing for Sheffield United. We got £5,000 for Mark Duffy. We got a... Um, 25% sell-on clause um, and that netted us about another seven or 8,000 uh, pounds when he went to Morecambe. Um, I mean, but since I've been involved in the club, we've actually, we sold the player to Macclesfields uh, for 12,000 pounds and we put uh, a sell-on clause with an England cap. Now, it never happened, but this is the things you do. Um, there's toilets out there, 
portable toilets. We bought that with the sell-on money that we got for Carl Baker. So it all it all comes back into the thing, but we can't afford to put a player on a contract because we've got to play him every week. Um, and if he's injured, suspended, we've still got to play them wages. Mm. It's hard. Um, and our youth team who play beat FC United in the week, um, we've got a couple of good lads coming through. Um, but there's already clubs looking at them. Um, and the young lads at that age, some of them have got agents already. So that's what you're battling mm. against. Um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, if we had the money, I'd put every player on contract, uh, but we haven't got it. So um, we decided not to put anyone on contract this year because it gives the hopefully the manager more money every week to put a, a decent side out on the pitch. And what you've mentioned a few times just in this chat about about people volunteering and about about people giving up the time, getting out of work early, all that sort of thing. I mean that that is the way it works at this level of football, isn't it? Right across the board, you know, all the other clubs that you know are local. You mentioned some of them before. It, it's down to people who actually love football. They're not in it for the rewards. They're in it because they they love the game. They want to see the game played on their doorstep in their community. And actually, that's a lovely thing, really, isn't it? Because I, I think. I know I get cynical about the game sometimes and cynical about the way Liverpool are. This is actually a good story, isn't it? It's a, it's a nice story. It is, it is. Um, how long I may continue, when I step aside, because I, I, I can't do this forever, I hope someone else does it. Um, I didn't think I'd be in this job or in this role of the years that I've, um, I have been in. It's, it is, it's, it's a great feeling when you, you decide to play in the FA Cup. And it's a great feeling for argument's sake last week to see Mark Duffy score that goal at Hillsborough against Sheffield Wednesday. And I'm thinking, yeah, come on, Duffy, put that in the back of the net. Uh, fantastic. It's you you look around this this room now, I know you can't see it because we're, we're in the ballroom at Prescott now, but all the old pictures uh, of all the guys that have played for us since 1884, all the teams are up there. Um it's got a very good reputation, Prescott Cables. I think we're a very friendly club very inclusive uh, and I pride myself on that um, long may continue last of all then Tony what are the what are the ambitions for Prescott what what, what does an ideal season for, for Prescott Cables look like for you well for us FA Cup that's the big one isn't it you, you like that glory but unfortunately we're not in it this year because uh, I'm fair play to City of Liverpool they, uh, they did turn it over that night and but FA Cup that's the one I think where we would go in the future, I think maybe the league above, uh, but even that has implications, financial implications, because you know you're playing in the northeast, you're playing down south, you have got your travel expenses. It's a big step up for the lads. You know, probably you're talking maybe two or three lads who would still be with us. We'd have to, you know, invest in the team. So I think we're we're at a level that we're at, um, but we'd like FA competition glory. Get that. Um, but the time I matched the day which Warrington got the other year. And if you look at the FA prize money in the FA, uh, 75 grand for uh, a little bit of a bit of a show on the telly, which would be great. But I think we are at a level now. We'd like to consolidate ourselves. We think we are probably one of the better sides, better run clubs on Merseyside. We'd like to see a couple of lads coming through. Uh, for me, given the opportunity of maybe when they've been released by Everton, Liverpool, Sammy, whoever, to still 
find that gap and make it. Carl Baker got released by Liverpool. He was on the, the reserve lift for Lillishaw when they all used to go to Lillishaw. Now, Carl Baker just signed for AFC Calcutta, I think. But Carl played for MK Dons, for Portsmouth, Coventry. He made it in the end. Coming to Prescott Cable, there's not a step back. It's just consolidating and, and being able to move on to the next level. And I think local lads, be it from South Liverpool, be it from anywhere around Merseyside, they come to Prescott Cables and they've got ambition. They will make that step up. Tony, thanks very much for your time. Uh, do look up Prescott Cables. They are on Twitter, as Tony mentions. Uh, they're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're everywhere. And, and try and get down here one time for a, for a game. It's a, it's a lovely place to watch football. There is a community feel about the place. Uh, and they do a nice pint as well. And what a guy he was, Gareth. <laughs> what a guy he was indeed. Um, you, I mean, you enjoy going and watching Prescott whenever you can, don't you? For non-league day. Not, I do. There's an exception, you know? Yeah, all of them. Not just Prescott as well. I like going to Marine as well because uh, I've got a bit of a affinity to them because uh, I reported on them um, for the Crosby Edel back in the day. Um, and Prescott, yeah, that, that's sort of the nearest club to me, Mars. I mean, growing up, it was Nosley United, but they've gone, um, sadly. So, yeah, Precky Cables. But, um, but no, I enjoy it and I like the idea of non-league day, to be honest. Um some people are sniffy about it. Some people are sniffy about everything. Um, but I think it's a good... It's just a little reminder that, you know, there are football clubs all over the country that have been running for a long, long time. Prescott, for instance, have been going since 1884. And it's... You know, there's people throughout the history of that club to this day, as you can hear from Tony, giving up, you know enormous amounts of time to just make sure that there's a local team playing and, and, and that there's a team there that people can aspire to go and play for and and maybe go on to to, to good things in the future. And I, I and I, I personally think that's a bit of a wonderful thing because you know we can get dead cynical about modern football and about owners and about everything about it really. But I think when you get down to that level there's a real honesty about it because there's just people there, as I say, who are doing it for the love of the game. They're not doing it for any kind of huge financial reward. I mean those lads are getting about 70 quid a week at Prescott Cables um, and, and, the, and the people who are helping out around and about making it happen you know produce the, the food the pitch the ground all the rest of it they're getting nothing out of it other than enjoyment other than just seeing you know Prescott for instance representative if you like and people turning up and enjoying themselves so yeah I enjoy it and I enjoyed myself on Saturday they won uh, the always helps they beat uh, they beat Trafford in the FA Trophy so some Manx as well uh, which always adds to the occasion <laughs> always helps uh, and they got they got a bit of money off the FA for getting to live as well which will certainly help so yeah it was a cracker excellent alright then uh, over then to FSG seven years on Sunday since they came in um, I'm not, does it feel longer than seven years Adam? Um, yeah in, in, in a way I, I mean it's I think one of the things that sums it up is it, is, is the dra- it's dragged on a bit um, they've I, th- I think it's flapped loose at times as well to be honest and um, th- there certainly hasn't been seven years worth of communication between us and our, uh, and our and our owners I don't think so yeah I guess at, at times it, it, it has felt longer Um I, I was looking at something um, before because um, because part of the problem really, and I think that this is sometimes I suspect it's done done on, on purpose, is that you, you can't you kind of lose lose track of, of of sort of things that have been things that have been set out as what as what they they hope to achieve, um, you know, signposts along the way yeah. for, to, to, towards that progress. I think it, I think sometimes with 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 things like you know different 
sporting directors, CEOs, and whatever they're called, you know, all, the, all those different roles. That's that being in a in, in a constant slow state state of flux, and different managers and different things and different this and that. I think I think sometimes it is quite hard to to to, to remember where you are and keep track of where you've been and where you thought you were going to be and all that sort of thing. But yeah, so I was reading something. Um, and, and it just it just struck me as interesting. So this summer will be a real test in my mind of whether FSG are going to back themselves to be owners of a competitive football club or whether they simply want to have a very attractive and lean global brand on their hands to move on. And then it says, as for Gulfie Sigurdsson, <laughs> which, which which shows you where it was. That was that was from 2012. Um, so I, I, I think that the thing, one thing that I think they've done is tried to cheat, tried to, to, to win the game without playing with a series of uh, magic bullets. I've, I know you, all you asked me, Neil, was does it seem like a long time? And here I am. Keep going. Banging on. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so, so they've, they, they, first of all, they talked about Moneyball. I don't know whether they ever actually promised they were going to do Moneyball. Um, but they've been, and then there was the um, trying to buy the brightest new young talents from, um, from Europe, from abroad. Uh, there was sort of buying players that had great potential but were slightly damaged uh, damaged articles for whatever reason you had sort of a storage constantly injured but brilliant Suarez bites people but brilliant that, that so there was that 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 phase um trying to put their, all their weight behind a young promising you know next big thing coach and um and so what 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 I'd sort of say they were was 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 kind of magic bullets in that they were trying to fix a Big problem with one answer, uh, where actually the, the answers um, were many and varied and more expensive than just one person. And I think that in a way, although he is the best of them, I think that you could still say that Jurgen Klopp is another magic bullet if you don't back him. So I don't know if I've answered your question there, Neil. Well, you've, 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 you've <laughs> answered you've, a question. You've, I, and you've, you've said lots of interesting things, uh, lots of jumping off points. I think the first thing is, Gareth, we're well beyond the point where we can talk as though they've done us a favour. Um, I think mm. that we've got to, that's just got to be cast cast aside now. Um, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. Not a thing anymore. We're we're now not unreasonably able to be valued in excess of one billion pounds. And I, I, I genuinely, that's not unreasonable. Certainly, when you've been able to link one of our players for one hundred and thirty million quid, uh, along with all the other stuff that goes on around English football at the moment. So there's a huge return on investment as and when they want it. And one of my big things remains, and I want to, you know, with Adam there. I'm still. I still don't feel as though I can answer the question as to as to how interested they actually are. I think, and I think that's an interesting thing. That you still can't. You couldn't say with certainty how interested they actually are uh, in terms of making Liverpool genuinely successful. I think, and I think that's fair. And I, and I think a lot of that is down to communication. A lot of that. A lot of that's down to sort of chopping and changing in terms of approaches and decisions and and things like that as well. I mean, look. You know, you, there's things you, you should and can give them credit for. You know, we can say that the ground could have been something different. We can say that it could have been bigger. We can say that it should still be bigger. But but I think then you've got, you've got to put that in the context of how many failed plans were there before they arrived to, to make them feel bigger. How many problems were there around that? That was nothing to do with them. So, and that was one of the key reasons, you know, David Moores, for instance, ever even looked at changing the ownership of Liverpool. That he felt that he were getting left behind to an extent. So, so we look some credit for the main stand, but then equally, 
and this is the thing with FSG for me, almost every every hand that you give them something on, you have to take away by another. So if you give them credit for the main stand... Does it annoy you as well when that goes the other way? If you know what I mean, that whenever you try to sort of say, listen, this has got to be better, someone is rightly able to go, yeah, but what about... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I find the fact that you've, you're always constantly... I've written it down here, this this constant sort of credit and debit column thing going on with yeah. them is is a bit like... I, I just quite like some... some I quite like some certainty, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and, and the key thing, what I was going to say is that it all all of it to me comes down to communication I, I still don't think the communication's the best I don't think you hear FSG as a collective talk often enough about Liverpool Football Club and what they aim to achieve with it and you know you look at something like off the pitch the Annie Road you know I think every Liverpool fan out there would, would say you should be doing the Anfield Road we need to get more fans in there and then there's there's zero communication on it. You know that you got John Henry saying something about it abroad some time back now, and then nothing, just absolute nothing. And it, and, and that's not good enough. You know what are you doing with the Anfield? Why don't you let us know? What are the reasons why you don't? Um, and it's the same with the sort of the team. And I mean, maybe they feel like they've been burned by doing interviews in the past, and you know they'll be they'll be held their quotes will be held against them and all that sort of thing. But again, so not they good. should. But yeah, and not really? good, not good enough. Yeah, because you know you've got all these people. <clears throat> myself included and everyone around this table included who are absolutely fully invested in this club I'm, I'm, and I've been all our lives putting all our money into it going home and away all the rest of it and so the least they can do for us is communicate with us I wondered whether whether that was part of their original strategy because that was a big issue for Hicks and Gillette and they, they did you know they did make big big promises well I, yeah I remember it really well I remember John Henry being pictured with a load of Liverpool books under his arm he'd, he'd spoke to some lads from um, from Red and White Cop he'd spoke to Spirit of Shankly and he sort of said this is now going to be the spirit of things moving forward yeah. that we're going to speak to fans we're going to understand what the club's about and then and then again, they moved away from that. You know, the, the, they said they were going to underpromise and overdeliver. And then you, they've, they've definitely you saw they them have less and less act, which is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you saw them less and less at games as well. It kind of felt like you know John Henry had lost a little bit of interest. You, you know, he had his Twitter game and then he didn't have his Twitter game. And it's like there's a there's a like a flip and a flop with them all the time. It feels to me, and I, and it's I don't know. But the, the less you promise, the longer you can survive. Do you know what I mean? they're not actually saying that they, they're if, not if you, saying anything if you don't yeah. say anything then then you know then then it just leaves us with the vacuum and the backwards and forwards credit and debit column of you know on twitter are they good or are they not good and the other one and they're, they're just you know happily miles and miles away not not needing to pipe up yeah yeah but the other and the other one is is, is some of the staff that you know their fingerprints are on who are at the club so i always bang on about this fella and until he speaks i will always bang on about this fella i, do, I still do not understand how you have a fella who's the sporting director of liverpool football club and he doesn't speak that's fucking ridiculous. Chelsea it's ridiculous. Doesn't speak. Michael Emanalo does not. Speak. He ne- he's never spoke ever. Well, I've never seen an interview with him. Has he got fingerprints on a load of mistakes though? Has he got uh, loads well, of people yeah. saying, you know, I don't think this fella gets deals over the line because that's what people think about Michael. If you speak to Antonio Conte right now, he will tell you that he is pissed off with Michael Emanalo. But I'm not. I'm not interested in Chelsea. No, no. Though, I, and, but what I'm saying is, more Man United than anyone else. Won the league last year, and they've got some similar problems. They've got, they've got a sporting director, but no one knows he exists. And but, but on this poll, I mean, I but I think I think it's it's almost different sorts of different sorts of club cultures as well. Yeah. And that I do think it's if 
I think that, you know, we we know, I mean, literally we're sitting here, we know we live in a city that very much immerses itself in its football, that, that, that the Northwest in general, Liverpool in particular, is culturally different to London. It's easy to hide football away in London, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. We know, you know what I mean? We know what's going on in the Echo over there. You can see all the the, the numbers of websites. You know, there, there isn't a Liverpool Echo equivalent for Chelsea in that no. the evening standards covering 12 clubs, it's not covering two. Uh all of this, what the, you know, to take Gareth's point on there is, it does strike me as interesting that that, that from uh, in a lot of areas of the club, the hierarchy of the club, there isn't there isn't tons and tons of talk. And at the minute, Peter Moore is very active on Twitter, but that's not the same thing at all as talking about what the actual plans for the club are, what the thought process is, and also even if Peter Moore is doing it, for instance, Peter Moore comes out and says he doesn't touch transfers, which you know he's the CEO of the club, and the fellow who does touch transfers, we can't get a word out of the owner doesn't talk very often at all. When does Tom Werner last give an interview? Do you know what I mean? I mean I'm not saying that they have to do this. I'm just saying it doesn't happen. What you want? I, I sort of understand what people are saying, but I also don't really know what you want them to say. I think the the, the last interview I remember get one of them given, I think it was Michael Gordon, was on the roof of the main stands while while the paint's drying. And as soon as that finishes, the whole of Twitter's kicking off. Well, what what the fuck's happening with Downfield Road? And you're like, well, can we not give them a touch of credit for being the only owners in my like? Well, they're not. The I'm only sure, owners. it was Gordon. I've never heard him speak. Aren't I? <laughs> I think he was on the on the uh, anyway. This interview, he he. Um, it's almost like we're too quick to go. Well, it's like the summer with the transfers. We sign one lad, and it's like, well, what about this fella? Some you talk about credit and debit, but there never seems to be any credit in, in my in my mind. And I mean, people, I'm sure people won't agree with me. At, uh, the, the main, the majority of people on the internet seem to just be up in arms all the time over FSG, and I don't really get it. To be honest, I think they're they're not perfect, and I would trade them in if I felt there's someone better. There's not millions of people better. You look at what's happening at Arsenal, and they've they've got people queuing up to buy them. But Kroenke's seems like a bit of a joke, and then Usmanov, just I don't I don't know what what he's about. That's the FSG yeah. model that they wanted to copy the most, though, isn't it? You can carry carry on, Absolutely. but that, that's the one that they said they liked, isn't it? Arsenal, yeah. In terms yeah. of monetizing the football club. I, but the thing is, I think with any, we all wanted these investors. Well, I mean, if you if you get a definition of investors, they want to they want to return on it. They're, they're businessmen that have put money in, and they're going to want something at the end. And I sort of, I sort of sympathise. I know, but this is sport, and I and I get it, that it's our it's also our club. This is the this is why like I don't get you saying you don't think they should communicate. They should because they it's should. a football club. When, it's not it's not it's not Weetabix or whatever like Gillette said, and that's what that's where the difference lies. And look, one of the problems for them, and, and this is where I was I will say it, be fair to them if you like, is that they follow Tix and Gillette, and so that meant that everyone is on edge ever since about watching what they're doing and worrying about what they're doing. But they should recognise that fact and look to do something about it. And look, there's the stuff now with Barrett, with fan forums and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. And we'll see how that goes. I've got I've got high hopes for it. We'll see what happens. Um, but but again, why has it took this long to arrive at a place where, you th- where you've realised there's a problem? You've let they've let that problem grow. And another problem with FSG was the ticket prices. They sort of they engaged with fans and then decided to go off to the left and do their own thing and put those prices at seventy seven. And that's when you ended up with people walking out of a game against Sunderland, and then they had to put it back again. That's got to rank as a mistake. Yeah, it is a mistake, but they did rectify. Yeah, yeah, and so they did rectify. So credit for that. Yeah, but so this is credit and debit again. And- I suppose this is the way this conversation is going to go. I'm, I'm sort of in a position with them where they don't wind me up that 
that much. I think they're becoming more ambitious as time goes on as well. I think you can talk about them not delivering in the summer, but I do genuinely feel that they wanted Thomas Lamar. They did one Virgil van Dijk. They wanted to spend more than what they did. They're like an extremely ambitious tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> They, they, they've, they've certainly got the flaws, but my point on Chelsea as a sort of wide, a wider thing. This is this is a, a manager who's just walked the title with a side to finish what tenth, eleventh the year before. He comes in. This is where managers have such a strong hand, and it doesn't go perfectly for them. You know, Liverpool get they won Virgil Van Dijk. Liverpool get are gonna get him. You know, ahead of them. I just think we're not the only one out there with issues. I know we're, we're the, probably the the biggest voice. You sort you see the. What is it? The green and gold scarves at Man United, but they didn't get them fucking anywhere. You know what I mean? It, that the, their owners didn't change. They still pull tons of money out the club and still do. And just, still do. Just, can I just talk about a couple of things that you said? You don't know what people want them to do. So I like the idea of some sort of constitution, just something that we can hold them to. Um, Bayern Munich have got one, which is, I mean, it's not, and it's nothing that you'd particularly, it's nothing revolutionary. There's like 15 things, tradition, responsibility, respect, and there's a little bit of a blurb about them. And it sort of touches on what, what Tony what Tony's, Tony Barrett's doing now with, with, with the club. And that's the sort of thing that I would like, as in, in a positive way, because I think we talk about the Liverpool way, but nobody actually knows what that is, or everyone's got a different idea about what that is. Um, and I think that in a bit of more of a carrot and stick sort of way, it would be actually something to be, for them to to be accountable to so I like that as a as, as a physical suggestion and with the main stand Danny Road thing I was just going to ask you how long does that credit last because I do think they get credit for the main stand but I think these things do take a while to to, to do and I I think I think part of it part, part part of the reason that people do get frustrated and say when's the next thing is because of the slowness and whenever anything's actually announced there's sort of 10 or 15 things that people have got in their back of their minds that they were expecting to be told about by now. So you've I, also, I, I, you've my also, question was just how long? How long does the, how long does the credit for the main stand last? But you're also you're also seeing a load of clubs that traditionally have been smaller clubs, if that's the right word, word uh, around the country with bigger stadiums than Liverpool. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, and so, Europe, so yeah. why are we sitting on our hands when you've literally got planning permission there? Why aren't you talking about what you're doing with it? Why are you saying things like, mm, well, now they did that thing with the tickets, not sure, which, which is basically what John Henry yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. And then there's been nothing since whatsoever. And in the, in the meantime, all the same issues are around ticket and remain. You know, there's people who can't get in. There's an access issue. There's the problem of kids who can't get to games, which, yeah. okay, they've acknowledged and there's some tickets at £9. And, you know, look, red neighbours and things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm positive about that. It's good. Is it enough? Not sure. And I just think all, all of your decisions and all the things you decide to do create a bigger picture about what the club's about. You know, people look at Liverpool and say, a Liverpool an ambitious club. I think the manager says you're ambitious. What he did in the last window, not so sure. The size of the ground, not so sure. So it's, yeah. I would have hoped, I would have hoped that they'd be that we'd be already well into the well into the, the the making of the Anfield Road and talking about the cop. But instead, the Walton Breck Road area has got a thirty-five year plan, which seems to preclude any further work on the cop. And nobody really seems to, nobody seems to be bothered about this. And I don't know whether I'm, I'm possible. I don't know whether, I don't know whether I'm wrong. Am I, am I right about that? I think that that has been rubber-stamped by by the council, possibly cynically, because they know that it precludes any any further work on the COP. But the club didn't even get involved with the Walton Brett Road 35-year plan. That's insane. I, that, the COP is the one I'm bothered about, to, to be honest. Um, I, I, don't, I do care what happens with the Annie Road. I'd love it to be a 30,000-seater stand, yeah. obviously. 
the, I hate the fact that the cop is overshadowed now by that main stand. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like this famous spying cop that... Even the way the main the stand was built, sorry to interrupt, even the way the main stand was built isn't like, oh, and when we do this, it's going to fit in. Mm. It, you can tell by the way it's built. It's not. It's it's not like the well, first one. Of, behind it. So, but you know what I mean. It, it's not going to fit into the to, to any work that they would. So that shows that there isn't really a plan for the cop either, because the, the way it's built doesn't fit. My my issue is that Tottenham in August September next year are going to have a, a much bigger single exactly. Tottenham single tier stand. Yeah. With with a, with an eye on safe standing as well. That's what Tottenham have got. They, they've they've got that just in case it comes in. They've got that planned. That's exactly what I'd want. I mean, I I missed the first couple of home games of the season, and when I came back to Anfield, you you I think um, I can't remember what fixture it was, but the, the there was a lot of differences around the grounds. I mean, there's more fan parks. There's improvements in terms of being able to get a, a drink or whatever inside the cop and you can see that I know they had to improve the sort of disabled facilities as well you can see there's been more further money spent so you know that Liverpool are definitely staying at Anfield but there is at the both goal ends there's issues you know that neither of them are big enough for the modern game but I sort of look at them as businessmen if, if I sort of stick my business head on and go they, they can't just do what Arsenal did and just Hope they stay a top four club for the next ten years. And Liverpool, what have they got to turn over a three hundred million pounds or something? Then it's not quite the the big business turnover that that you think. So to, for them to drop a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty million pounds of profit, and that Anfield Road isn't really paying for itself at the, at the level that it's meant to. It, it's difficult from a business point of view. Well, Gareth's what he pulled me up on before. This this isn't Weetabix and this isn't this. This is sport and it's about access and it's about... The community. About the community. The, all Liverpool. the wider issues that, that we don't really need to, to go on about. You know, people need to be in that, that stadium to watch that and as many people as possible at an affordable rate. But you can't just pie in the sky, pull £130 million out of the air well, and then that, and then buy £100 well, million pounds worth of centre-half. I'm conscious people have got I've got parking and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> I'm conscious Gareth's got to run somewhere and they can run and run because I've not talked to you for 10 minutes and they're always my favourite shows. And, you know, <laughs> fair play to you for your credits and debits because that's what I wrote, wrote on the agenda and it's it's there. Is, you know, I'll go to you first, Gareth, then I'll go to Paul, then I'll go to Adam. Is What does it look like then? What I'm asking it is, you know, what what does what does does do, what does a change of ownership look like? And that, you know, in that is there a path for your for your ideal for eighty percent of your ideal ownership listeners' ideals, and we we all know about that. But for you know, my ideal owner is probably me, uh, but I'm not not going to happen anytime mm. soon. But you know, what what does your ideal ownership look? You know, your plausible ideal ownership look like, and can F, can FSG get there? Well, th- th- this is where. I don't know. I don't know what can FSG get there. Look, we'll see what happens with the the sort of latest round of things that they're attempting. I mean, but it always feels like that's always the case. But maybe that's just being a cynic. But it's, that's it's what like, I mean. That's what we were saying in twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. So like, oh well, what what might they do in January? And this latest thing with the fans. Well, maybe that'll work to solve the engagement issue. I mean. The, the ideal for FSG is they start communicating more would be my one. Um, and, not, and that's not just through Peter Moore tweeting. It, it's through, in general, speaking more to fans, engaging properly with fans. And as I say, these forums maybe will will, will do a bit of that. Um, but in terms of ideal owners, that's where I struggle a little bit with it all. Like, I've, I've permanently, not just me, many others as well, the Anfield app in general, I've got, like, a cabal of lads 
permanently on our case about we don't talk about FSG, we, we should be demanding they leave and all this. Well, well, who do we want in? Because I, I, that's the bit where I struggle with. I, if they've got information different to me, fine, come and tell me. But you know, is there a queue down Walton Breck for a load of fellas with with ten billion quid in their arse bin who want to buy the Reds? I don't think there is. I, I don't think there is. And and I, and I think you know a lot of the stuff where I, I see people talking about the Middle East. I think a lot of that's on its arse now, and, and and maybe the money's not there that you think. I know I can see what's going on with PSG. I'm not blind, but you know. I just don't think there's loads of people queuing up who want to buy who want to buy Liverpool, but also we want to buy Liverpool and come in and bankroll it to death. That's the other thing. That's what people are asking for. It's like when people say, "Oh, well, you've you know they only won the League Cup in the whole time they've been here." I'm disappointed with that as much as anyone else. But equally, it's hard. And I think we said that on the clock, bit, didn't we? It's hard. All this, you know, no one, all the other clubs that we keep referencing, they're not there going, "I'll let Liverpool win it this year." I mean. It, it's just that, but Liverpool have got to sustain a certain position and make sure they stay there. And the one thing that always really bugs me is that Leicester won the league. That's what bugs me, because that could have been Liverpool that year, and that should have been Liverpool that year. And why weren't they ready then? Do you know what I mean? And I'm not I'm not saying hold that against FSG, but that's where someone somewhere, collective or even collectively, they should have been going, why wasn't that us then? It's so frustrating. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what the ideal owners are because you know there's there's lots and lots of failed attempts to own Liverpool, including one by the fans share Liverpool. I think the money now that you're talking about, you mentioned over a billion quid before. There's absolutely no way fans can raise that. No. Um, you know, is there a model you know similar to the gym one where there's some fan representation at least? That would be quite nice. I'd quite like the idea of that. But I, don't, I still don't know who comes in and fancies that though. So I think. I think a lot of what Robbo says is right. Um, and you talk about there not being a queue down Walton Brecht Road or whatever. You talk about these are the same lads who would have jumped on Steve Morgan being the owner of the Pool Football Club. And we're jumping on Moors when he yeah, was here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember there being flags at the front of the cop, Moors out, Morgan in and all this. And then it turns out, <laughs> look at Wolves. Um, <laughs> DIC, bankrupt. You know, Robert Kraft, another one. Doesn't want to pay anyone over 100 grand a week. Kenny Huang or whatever his name was. Where's he? The guy who's at Valencia having an absolute nightmare. These are the all. If everyone would have always got Peter Lim, that's the guy. If these would have put Gary Neville in charge of Valencia and they put Ronald Koeman in charge of Valencia and nearly took them down. Um, these. These are lads. Lovely dig there from senior, by the way. I think we should all we should all our <laughs> the, um, the these are these are fellas that all these people who are too quick to jump on the bandwagon of new owners don't consider the the sort of bigger picture. And everything that's been said in this is right. Everyone looks at Daniel Levy as the perfect owner of a football club, but I can tell you now there's problems at Tottenham because he's not paying them enough money. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Kyle Walker's gone. Money. Danny Rose transfer request money. How long do you think Harry Kane, Deli Ali is going to put up with hundred grand Loads a week? Loads of their fans are fuming. Absolute problems going there, and that's this is to do with with access in the ground. They're compromising on one for the other, but I tell you what, them them lads aren't going to stick around on hundred grand a week and playing that. They'll have a lovely stadium, but the football inside will suffer. Again, where I'm with with FSG, what is it, seven years in now, Neil? Is that I think what we were talking about. Clock before, I'm still sort of all right with it because I can see green shoots of them improving their ownership. There's loads gone wrong in the past, and I totally agree with everything that's been said. But they did put a spade in the ground. It might have took them too long, but they did do it, and and they did it with their own money. 
they lent it interest free. I'm sure they'll get repaid and then some because we're talking about Liverpool being valued at a billion. I don't think Liverpool would sell for a billion. I think it'd be closer to two, if I'm honest with you. Um, so they will make an absolute fortune out of this club one day. Fine. That's that's how it is. But the, I suppose the point is you've got to be careful what you wish for because we've done this before and look where it got us. Um, all right, Adam, what does, what does it look like for you? Uh, I think... And can FSG get there? It's... I, I, I don't know, and I think that at this stage... You can just say no if you don't uh, Well, at this stage, I think it is. I, I do have to say no, uh, whether I think they will get there or not, because they've, they, they, I, don't see what's, I don't see what's going to change in their, in their mindset and the way they do things. What does... I mean, a good, a, the best owners in the country are Man City's. They've, uh, they've pretty much transformed a whole area of Manchester, and they are trying to be the best in every single area of the game, from you know, youth to everything. Um, and so they they are they, they, that's that's what that that's what um, a, a really good project which is which looks to be trying to be the, the best the best club in the world you know they're trying to build things up same same thing as PSG and that's that that's the mega mega rich people they're trying to build things up into being the best sporting institutions that there are you know uh, um, so for us really what I want I, I, I never compare us to those clubs particularly I wrote an article about um, ambition uh, back sort of in February time or something like that for the Anfield Rap and it was comparing us to Juventus and Atletico and probably Dortmund and somebody else and the, the, what that was about was putting your eggs in the footballing basket and, and, and so FSG one of the things that annoys me about them is that they seem to be very very uh, good businessmen in one in, in, in one side of things in the commercial aspect which we did need more of but when it comes to the footballing side of things they just seem to be that's where things just flat loose and they don't have a real good structure around the manager like they would at Dortmund like we've seen exactly our manager have at Dortmund with success um, and somebody like Juventus you know, can be relegated down and 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 then still, you know, not basically not stop because they they are they 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 have in their minds that they are the best. And I know they've got more money than than the other teams in Italy, but it's it, it it's it's not just about that. There's something to do with mindset there as well, mindset. And I and and that's really what I want. So uh, what what I'd want from from any new owner would be to be trying to through a combination of money and mindset to make Liverpool biggest and best club in the world I think that's what we should be aiming for because I think if you're not it's the same thing if you're not shooting for the, for, for the stars then you just, sometimes you just end up sixth <laughs> okay um, Paul Senior Gareth Roberts Adam Melia uh, it's been my favourite show for absolutely ages thank you very much to them uh, enjoy myself greatly sitting here listen one of my things is this we talk about the main stand on the Anfield Road and I've got this thing that they are thinking oh this ticket thing did my head in and and they're a bit like Paul, what Paul's saying before, where they're going, oh, the main stand. We, we, we finished the main stand, and the first thing everyone asks us is, what about the Anfield Rose? But to that, I'd say, well, lads, basically, if you can't accept us at our worst, you don't deserve us at our best. That's the Anfield wrap. Sports Social Podcast Network.